Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Alan, in late January, uh, news was confirmed about something that the photo industry had kind of been, like insiders had sort of been talking about and posting on Facebook. I'd seen a few Facebook posts. But the news became official that Photo District News was folding. They have been around since 1980. I know. And it's crazy. It is crazy. It's a long that's a long run for a print magazine. And they were creating really good content, but yeah, their current owner, which is Emerald Expositions, decided to uh, close it and fold it. They're going to keep Rangefinder. Which I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, PDN is still going to be like all the archives are going to be online, but they're not going to be creating new content. So PDN came up as a industry trade magazine. You know, that's that's what we know it as, talking about the business of photography. There's a lot of content built around like pricing and who shot this campaign and that campaign. And so I think in 2020, the year is 2020, it occupied a very specific niche that nobody was really covering uh, in the magazine space. And for that, it'll certainly be missed. I know what your favorite part of the magazine was, though. Yes. PDN 30. Man, I've I've been following that for years. That's where you, I mean, that's where you used to find names that you, like, didn't know. Now, that's the thing. That's exactly the thing. Now you find those people on Instagram and through other photographers. So why don't you explain what PDN 30 is for the people out there who don't know? Yeah, PDN 30 was a list of 30 emerging photographers. Um, You had to be nominated by somebody in order to uh, get it. And originally you had to be under 30. That's right. But then that switched, I want to say, like the mid-2000s or something. It has a long list of talent. We, You and I both interviewed Holly Hughes extensively, and we talked a lot about it just uh, late last year. But, I mean, it was a great list, always. And I think that they had done a really good job in the past few years of looking at the diversity issue to make sure that the up-and-comers who came out of different areas of the country, who came from different backgrounds, who had different skin colors, et cetera, were represented on that list. I really I really think that they took that to heart to make sure it wasn't just a bunch of white guys mm-hmm. um, who were who were being represented as the future of photography. Yeah. They so were- it's definitely a shame that that it's going away or potentially we don't we don't actually know what they're gonna do with PDN thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were also really good about getting a range of uh subject matter of what these photographers were covering. So there was always, you know, editorial, photojournalism, still life photography, wildlife photographers. It was always a really nice range of people. And to that point, you know, I didn't always love the selections, but mm. I think that's part of it. Yeah. It's like you can't be expected to understand what, for example, still life photography is about if you don't practice still life photography. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it, it serviced... Um, that, well, that was the whole thing about it, as it was a trade publication. Like, it serviced uh, the editors or art buyers that needed th- that type of talent. I'm trying to think of of what this sort of represents to the publishing industry in general. Uh, obviously, as we said, you know, there were very few publications like this that were talking about the business of photography and the movers and shakers within the business of commercial photography. I also think of photo magazines generally, you know, the way that that I consumed photo magazines when I was a kid or an early adult. 
a lot of it was about, for example, gear reviews, like knowing about a new camera coming out uh, or an interview with a photographer. And those have largely been transplanted by, you know, gear reviews on YouTube mm -hmm. and interviews in podcasts. And for the amount of money that it takes to run a publishing operation, I certainly can understand how it becomes impossible to run a niche photo industry <laughs> magazine. Like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. The one thing I'll say, though, is if you're living in the world of publishing and you've been around since the 1980s, you know by the mid-90s that circulation is leveling off and in the 2000s, you know that it's going down. And to then not have sort of reacted in a more experimental way and looked at, hey, maybe we could try doing a, a, a YouTube channel and put our content there. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to figure out a way to monetize it properly. I think that's that's mm -hmm. one of the hard parts, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the successful YouTube channels out there are one-man bands yep. in a lot of cases, or there are one-man bands that become so popular that they can create a staff and, and build a business after that. So Yeah, I get sponsors later. It's not so easy to just transition from being an old-school print publication to to becoming like the new YouTube star. But the fact that they didn't do that, the fact that publications in general haven't adopted that that strategy or didn't adopt it in, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of a lack of vision, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like one thing that they I I don't really think they did was create a community. Like they like blogs such as Flack Photo come to mind that really relies on the people right? The, the readers in order to provide content, to create content, free content, um, and also create discussion. And I don't think PDN was really doing that. And I feel like even like Petapixel, for example, petapixel.com, like they, you can, anybody can kind of submit an article idea right. if you have one. And so it just creates this much more community-based platform that PDN wasn't doing. Doesn't mean the content's very good. Right. <laughs> As right. someone who frequently <laughs> contributes to Petapixel. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, they have an audience. They built an audience, and it's really, you know, it's two guys that kind of do that whole operation. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, the, sec like, the second the PDN started having their uh, paywall, yeah, I was like, ah. And they were doing interviews with photographers like I wanted to read, but, you know, you introduce that paywall, and it's like... Game over, for so, a, especially for like young working photographers. They don't want to pay for a subscription. Emerald Expositions purchased PDN. Gosh, it must have been about a decade ago now. And Emerald Expositions was a, a, tr a trade show company. They were mm. an expo company. Emerald Expositions also owns WPPI, which is the largest wedding and portrait photographer conference uh which I've attended. Have you been? Have you been there? I've before? never been. Man, you, that is unbelievable. The number of photographers <laughs> that go to that thing. You know, it's yeah. it's a few days uh, in Las Vegas. There are literally thousands of wedding, primarily wedding photographers, and some portrait photographers. Mm -hmm. um, PDN and Emerald Expo Expositions. They know how to put together trade shows. And what like, how much do those tickets cost to go to? Oh, a few that? hundred few hundred bucks to, to be registered. Few yeah. hundred. It's, okay. it's, it's yeah. not cheap. So, but again, you know, if, if your internal competence is producing trade shows 
and you can do it at scale. You know, I'm not talking about a trade show where you're doing it for the first time and you get 30 people to show up and you have two sponsors. I'm talking mm-hmm. hundreds of sponsors, thousands of attendees paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to attend yeah. going to Vegas. Like that's a very profitable thing to do. So why couldn't they keep PDN open? Well, I think, you know, as a as a person who's run a business before, you know, you got to make choices. It's always down to resources. Yeah. And if you see flagging uh, subscriptions and, yeah. and your website stats are low. declining and low just in general, mm-hmm. and you're seeing some knucklehead on YouTube post a video about nothing and then get a million views, <laughs> you're probably scratching your head and saying, what the heck are we doing over yeah. here? You know? Yeah. So sure, I'm sure that was, you know, what on. could PDN uh, under uh, a different vision and different leadership figure out a way to survive? Maybe, but maybe that time is just, maybe it's just passed. Maybe the, maybe the, the appetite for the type of content that PDN produces isn't there anymore. And I will say, you know, at the photo shelter blog, we've had multiple efforts to write about business pricing, for example, mm-hmm. And, you know, the articles, they, they do okay, but it's just very hard to build an audience around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. People, people want to know pricing when they encounter a new scenario and they need to ask a question about, hey, how do I price this? Yeah, they Google it like one time. Yeah, they're not going back every day to be like, oh, I wonder how this person priced this job. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, a lot of those conversations I see happen on, you know, these, these Facebook groups or private forums mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. like-minded photographers who are doing like-minded photography figure out how to price things fairly or, you know, talk to people who have done it before. They're not going to a magazine publication like PDN to get this information. Right. It goes back to the whole community thing of people just relying on people they know. I think you could credibly ask, why can't they just maintain an online publication like many other publications have done by by cutting off the print publications, saving the costs, saving the headache, saving the shipping, um, and just create an online blog I, again, I think if you are Emerald Expositions and I mean, I don't know how many employees they have, but let's say you have 150 employees mm-hmm. and 20 of those people are working on a print publication and you say, well, if we cut the, the print publication, we could be down to 10. Yeah. You're still probably saying, why the heck do we want to have the headache of trying to create daily editorial content? I know it's not, I know it's like, Cutting, yeah, cutting print might save some money, but it wouldn't make any of those people's jobs easier. Yeah. And they might not want to be creating like a shit ton of content every day that, that might come off as mindless or I don't know. I mean, creating daily content, job. daily content's a grind, man. It's a grind. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is. No, it really is. And, and like for a niche publication, yeah, there's like not enough happening in the industry to create that kind of buzz. Also, um, faux blogger made a pretty good argument, you know, against them, like, um, not just being online. He's like, speaking as a publisher, I feel it's going to be an uphill battle for them. They're going to need to do a lot of modernizations and revamps for it to become relevant in Google search results. I mean, that's yes, huge. Um, and to grow the social channels and look for other sources of traffic, to keep the staff supported. I mean, it's a huge undertaking just to go online. That's that, not the easy answer. You know, I think that's why something like a Petapixel is, is a brilliant and, and again, you, you can quibble with the quality of content, but they don't rely on themselves to create daily content. Right. The, 
They will create write-ups of other things that are happening in the industry. They'll solicit other manuscripts, um, other pieces from Medium or the Photo Shelter blog, et cetera, to republish on their site. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it's a slower news day or if it fits the editorial uh, vision that they have for that. Mm -hmm. And so the burden isn't on them as content creators. They're just curators of content, right? Exactly. And then they can run content against that. Yeah, so it's, if a smart, it's a smart yeah. model. I, I don't know. Like, are they making money? I have no idea. Well, I'm sure they're making enough. They've been in business for years and years and years. So, you okay. know, if you have a staff of two people or three people, whatever it is. Yeah. It's not a bad living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, for sure. I was thinking about what is the role of the magazine in the photography space mm -hmm. nowadays. And I was trying to think of what printed magazines even exist anymore. Um, Outdoor Photographer is probably arguably the largest photo circulated magazine out there right now. I got I can't lie. I don't think I've ever cracked one open. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, if, if, if you're a, if you're a wildlife photographer mm -hmm. or maybe like an adventure photographer, mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's cool content. I think and they're doing like gear reviews or they're doing some gear reviews They're doing some profiles They're doing some like how to's. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that it's printed and you can see these images, you know, on, on a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. I think there's still value in, in that for photography where we're not consuming it on a phone screen. Mm -hmm. Right. So it slows us down to consume that, that content. Um, it's great when you're on an airplane or sitting on the toilet, you know, yeah. <laughs> reviewing this type of, <laughs> of content. And then I, I thought about the British journal of photography oh, and yeah. aperture magazine, both of which, you know, are good content, but they're, they're smaller circulation magazines. Yeah. And you, and again, you got to wonder, like, what is the what is the audience for that, for those publications moving forward? Yeah, you know, I used to go to BJP, but I don't anymore. Yeah. I, I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. <laughs> Ooh, I feel bad. They're not showing up on my Twitter feed or something. It, it's interesting because you want to support these platforms and these publications and these organizations that represent represent things that you think are important in the industry. And I, and I think the same um, dynamic uh, plays for me with Flickr. So, you know, I wrote a piece uh, about in, in partial defense of Flickr a few, a few weeks ago. And I talked about how important I thought Flickr was historically, and I thought about what it could be. But at the same time, I just don't go there anymore mm -hmm. because there's no, it's not convenient for me. Mm -hmm. um, the content that I find there, I feel like I can find in a lot of different other places that I'm more likely to visit, mm -hmm. you know, and, and for photo content, for example, you know, just for browsing photos, I mean, Instagram's the thing that we all yeah. pull up and look at totally. and for gear reviews, DP reviews where I go, you know, I, I just don't need a publication, a printed publication to come out 30 days later and tell me about the new lens or the new camera. Mm -hmm. Well, there are some magazines that are, run mostly by people that consider themselves like curators. They are photo editors. Um, and in that sense, that's where I've kind of gone to find new photographers. So instead of something like the PDN 30, um, I might pick up a copy of, for example, Title Mag is a beautiful publication that centers mostly around photography. Um, and they feature a lot of amazing talent. There's also Brick Magazine. It's a culture magazine, but it's so photo heavy. And they're always hiring really up and coming people. So it's a great way to get names. And then another one is Office, um, which is also basically a photography magazine, but it's, it, but 
it's photos of people that you care about in the culture, like in hip hop, indie music, et cetera. So it's sort of a new, I feel like these are like millennial run totally. magazines that like are gorgeous and large print and that you can really only find in those like crazy New York you know, shops that have all the print magazines. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, this genre of photo magazine, they tend to be passion projects for yeah. photographers, right? They're not, they're not making a full time living off of these things. I don't think so. Right? No. And they're very lifestyle oriented in terms of heavy portraiture right? for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're very cool because I, th- I think they hearken back to, the golden age of publishing where you could have these niche magazines and then you'd go into the international newsstand and find the weird ones from France and the weird ones from parts of the U S that you'd never visited before. Mm -hmm. And, and I think in part because of the resurgence of, of film, for example, a lot of millennials are saying, Hey, this is, this is a cool medium and I can start a small publishing company and I can do a short run and my friends will buy it for 20 bucks an issue. Yeah. um, And we won't run any advertising and maybe I'll get one corporate sponsor to do it. Yeah. But it's not sustainable in no. that way, right? That that it, the traditional print publications were. So you know, to to me, it's I don't know that it's a passing fad. I think that there will always be a small market for that uh, for that type of magazine, and there'll always be creatives out there that are willing to do it for not for no profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not it's not the quite same same thing as PDN going out of business. No, true. Although, like, do you think anything could replace PDN 30? I don't know. You know, I was thinking specifically about PDN 30, and I was wondering what it would take for for a photo brand out there to want to take it over and, yeah. and rebrand it, right? Yeah. So, I mean... It's kind of an exciting opportunity, you maybe. You know, what, what does it cost to solicit recommendations and then curate it and then write it? You know, is it is it one person that can largely manage that as a side project maybe but you gotta have curator like um judges too right 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 right, right, so pulling that those people in and coordinating that but you know if it if it was the Flickr 30 what (laughs) or it was the photo shelter 30 (laughs) okay cool that'd be dope if it was the photo shelter 30 and it had sort of the same cachet and the quality could could be maintained why couldn't a property like I have? I'm just I'm totally making this up because I haven't even mentioned it to anyone at the office. But you know, why this is couldn't, Alan's pitch right yeah. now, guys. Why couldn't a company like Photo Shelter take it over mm-hmm. and rebrand it and have that have the spirit of PDN30 sort of of live on? Mm-hmm. You know, you I, see things being rebranded all the time. I think uh, I have a suggestion. I think you should re um, introduce the. You have to be under thirty. Oh. <laughs> I Yo. love that competitive edge. <laughs> we the, like them hungry and young. And okay? then maybe we should have like the, the PDN 30 to 40 for like right. the late bloomers. <laughs> totally. And then the PDN 60, like you have to be over 60. <laughs> exactly. This is a whole franchise. Yeah, I know. I know. And then you have, and then you have the trade show that pulls together everyone. And then you're like, well, let's just do the trade show. And then the right. cycle repeats. <laughs> the cycle repeats. <laughs> I, I do have to say, I went to a few PDN talks uh, at SVA um, actually for photo shelter back in the day. And those were so informative and wonderful. They were good about putting on things like that to teach photographers about how to run their business. And the talks were always super informative. Holly Hughes, she was the panel moderator for a lot of them. Um, she's, I feel like yeah. we're so spoiled with 
with YouTube and our phones and stuff where mm-hmm. we feel like we don't have to attend things in person. And no, it's, you have to. I know, I know you have to, but it, you know, sometimes when I'm invited to something and the thing's going to start at seven and it's six thirty, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> you know, there's, you can come up with yeah. a thousand reasons not to attend something, particularly in New York where there's a thousand things going on every night. And then you don't go to any of them. Right. Right, right, <laughs> right, excuse right. not to, to go to them. Well, I do. I do have to say, I think I pretty much immediately left right after it was done. I did zero networking afterwards. Right. <laughs> well, we're definitely bummed that uh, PDN is being shuttered and definitely bummed. Um, but maybe crossing our fingers about the future of PDN 30. We'll see. Yeah, I still would read that list. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out, photo industry. Let's make it happen. You know, without PDN... And now we've all, we also have lost Lynn's blog. We've been waiting for that thing to be relaunched for a long time. I know. It's been almost a year now, I want to say. I don't know. It's been like eight over eight months. Um, although I will say the New York Times has done a good job of integrating these kind of photo series into other portions of the paper, other sections. But yeah, I mean, losing PDN, losing Lynn's blog, like these are very, uh, these are like, I don't know, pillars within the publishing world about photo and about what it means to be a photographer and, and you're looking for to, to you're go. looking for a place to showcase photography and maybe introduce you to new photographers is that what you think is missing yeah i think that's missing and i think i think the experience of being a photographer is going along with these names i think that it is a very difficult decision for an organization or an institution to say that we should be, as a part of our business, we should be in the business of curation when individuals out there are already doing that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, think of the thousands of Instagram accounts that are, quote, just curation. curating, right? Yeah, no, it's um, true. And, and people that want to be known as taste, quote, tastemakers, yeah. end quote. So, I th- yeah. you know... I mean, I, I, I totally understand the reasons for these organizations to shutter these properties. It, it, is, it is unfortunate because I do think that there was like a shared, there was a sharedness to viewing these lists and being like, oh, did you see so-and-so on that list? You know? mm-hmm. And you could make the argument that, well, these are the gatekeepers, so screw the gatekeepers. And I, and I get that, but then where, where is our collective understanding of what the industry who's in the industry and what the industry represents. Yeah, and and where the industry stands in terms of quality as well. Well, this week we have only questions and no answers. (laughs) (laughs) Totally bummed to see PDN uh, shutter that business. Um, But hopefully something new will emerge in its place. We'll see you next time. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.